you guys have like a go-to feat that you have for any type of character that you're going to build? Like in your head, that's the first one that comes to your head. Warcaster. Right? <laughs> I was going to say Warcaster too. <laughs> There's Warcaster. However, I'm not gen- generally a magic casting player. Okay. So I always like the... Uh, oh, now I'm already forgetting it. Now that you ask it, it's, it's the one where you're very perceptive and you get a bonus to your initiative. That That's kind of my go-to, uh, just so I almost always get to go first or second in initiative and gives me lots of options outside of combat. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on player options in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. I'm Kyle, and with me today are Tyler and Megan, and this episode is called Beats 3, Augmentation and Calibration of Incantation Innovation. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking deep within to reveal the special magical accomplishments that only the most dedicated spellcasters can claim to have mastered. Most of the feats we're going to talk about today are related to gaining access to some low-level spells. Now, I have a question for you guys. If you could cast any spell or cantrip from D&D that isn't Wish, what would you cast? And when I'm asking this, I mean, I'm going to say, if you could cast this in real life, what spell or cantrip would it be? Should we roll for this? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, what is not? Why not? First roll today. Nine. Twelve. Three. Okay, so if I had to choose a cantrip, it would just be dancing lights. Uh, I have an insurmountable fear of the dark. So if I could at any point in my life just poof light, I would absolutely do that. Like... I thought you were going to say it was the raver in you. No, I mean, I wish, but no, I am I am now an elder millennial, so I don't, I mean, maybe like 20 years ago, I would have said, absolutely, let's throw down some dancing lights for some incense music, but now it's just so that I don't have to sit in the dark by myself. <laughs> Fair enough. You got this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and what if it wasn't a cantrip? If it wasn't a cantrip and I'd choose like a spell? Yeah. yeah. Fireball. Mm. Good choice. Destroy all your enemies. Yeah, classic. Okay, for me, I I couldn't decide on just one, uh, but my top one would probably be Unseen Servant. I never have to clean or do laundry again. You know, all that stuff is taken care of, right? It would just be the most useful. But if it was like for funsies, like probably Polymorph or Invulnerability so that I could uh, go use a squirrel suit without having to worry about it. I would do some fucking extreme <laughs> sports with invulnerability. <laughs> just become like a daredevil of some kind, adrenaline junkie, because you know that like you just, yeah. Oh man, I would definitely take like slow fall or something like that too. So oh, that could, would be handy. So I could be like a cliff jumper and not have to really overly worry about it because I can, you know, minus my broken bones by 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump for this cliff. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh. Uh, if I had to choose one, I actually really enjoy the cantrip Shape Water. And this is more so just from a practical standpoint. Uh, I would love the idea. I love the idea of being able to just mold water to my advantage. It's, it's I know it's not necessarily control water, but I can still shape it however I want. And essentially, I'd be a waterbender, essentially, which is great. 
maybe uh, the inner geek within me. But if I had to choose something that's not a cantrip, I think what I would choose would probably be Misty Step. Being able to go from one space to another with no, nothing needed, just pop there. I would definitely do like the dimension door over Misty Step because I would want to be dramatic about it. I would ha- want to have like a dramatic, <laughs> my door, like the door would be like a badass, like gothic looking door that I just like open really quickly and slam behind me. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. No, you can't come with me. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Okay, now before we get deeper into this, let's cut to a quick ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join the Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Later this week on the It's Mimic podcast, patrons of Silver Tier and Higher will be able to listen to the next entry in the homebrew conversation, where I'm actually going to interrupt my conversation on the deck of many things with uh, something that I want to bring up that just happened this past week. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about manipulating player expectations. And then after that, at the end of the week, everyone will be able to check out the public channels as I sit down with one of our patrons, Travis, to talk about fulfilling players' wishes for their characters. But for now, let's get back to the episode. Uh, So feats, what is a feat? Well, it is essentially a skill that a character has honed outside of their normal class or race progression. It is a variant rule, so DMs can opt to play without them. Uh, However, it does add a little extra customization in terms of character development and allowing players to flush out their character a little more. The general rule for feats is that anytime a player would get an ability score, uh, they could opt to take a feat instead. Although I do know quite a few tables, especially in this podcast, that do opt to uh, give their parties a free feat at level one as well. Some feats do come with prerequisites, meaning that they characters must meet a certain requirement in order to take it, uh, such as Grappler that requires a strength score of 13, or Dragon Fear, which is only for Dragonborn. This means also that a player can lose access to a chosen feat uh, should circumstances change, such as taking a hit to their ability score, or if they change race through something like the Reincarnate spell. And it's up to the individual DM to decide how to deal with that. Have you ever actually had somebody lose a feat in the middle of a game? No, I haven't. I've had no one that's tried to chop off their foot, if that's what you're asking. I mean, I've lost a leg in the game before, but like, I don't think I've ever experienced having actually lost a feat due to changing of prerequisites or something like that. Yeah. But how would you yeah, deal with it? It doesn't happen. Oh. It, was just it doesn't. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, except for apparently Adam. Adam says that it's, you know, stealing players' ability scores is uh Oh, hobby. No, that does make sense. Yes. So if the prerequisite was a, an ability score-based one and you had, yes, he does like to suck the life out of people's ability scores. So that makes sense. Because in my head, I'm trying to rack my brain like, well, how would that happen? And now I know. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for that. All right. Well, before we get started on the magical feats in today's conversation, I think we need to address two of the biggest and most popular magical feats in 5th edition. We kind of mentioned one of them right at the very beginning. Of course, it is Warcaster. Um, So for the first one, this can be found in the general player's handbook. Uh, Its only prerequisite is that you're able to cast at least one spell, which means you do have to be some kind of a spell casting character of some kind. 
What it does is it gives you the advantage on con save throws for maintaining your concentration when you take damage. You can cast somatic spells when your hands are otherwise occupied with weapons, etc. If the movement of a creature causes you an attack of opportunity, uh, you can use your reaction to cast a spell instead of the classic attack action. However, the spell that you choose must have the casting time of one action and must only target that creature alone. So this is where the wording can get a little bit complex and complicated for DMs sometimes. Because do you, would you guys say that this does means you can't do a bonus action spell? Mm-hmm. I would say I, more like... Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Tyler. I would almost... I would say if they wanted to use a bonus action spell, I would allow it, but not let them use that bonus action again during their turn, almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's mostly meant as you can't cast something that has like a casting time of a minute. Of like 10 minutes, like something above exactly. one action. It has to be yeah. instantaneous. Yeah. Like a, a reaction or a bonus action, I would probably allow, because I mean, why not? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I guess all cantrips would count as like one one spell action kind of thing too. So you could use cantrips too. Would you do that? Yeah. If okay. it was the same thing, if it was instantaneous, yeah. Makes sense. Um, any class or race or special background we think this one fits with automatically? I mean, obviously I'm thinking your wizards, your sorcerers, your anyone who's fighting from a range and a distance for magic attacks. I feel like that's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Any, any other thoughts? I think, yeah, any of them. I have a question, though, because you ha- say the prerequisite for this is they have to be able to cast spells. Yes. Does this also include the wild magic barbarian? Do they have spell slots? Mm. Oh, I guess, no, it doesn't have, sp- they don't use spell slots because it's based on whatever they roll in the wild magic table. Yeah, so yeah. I would say no. I was just, just out of curiosity, I was just like, oh. I feel like that's a good internet discussion one, though, because I can imagine a DM did accept it at one point in time to say, yeah, absolutely. Like you are casting spells just because you don't know what you're casting doesn't mean you aren't a spell caster. Like it's, you innately have the ability. And you are very much a war person. Yeah. Geared towards war. I wonder if like, yeah, if, I, if a, a player had come to me saying, hey, I want to do this with this very specific barbarian, I'd be like, sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, but then you have like barbarians be like extra overpowering because it gives you, you're harder to hit, which means that if, when you do get hit and you get to have advantage to maintain any kind of concentration that you have, then that's pretty beneficial. But well, that's true. I don't know. Internet, yeah. argue about it. <laughs> I, but I mean, like wild magic, like when I think of Warcaster, you know, you have like control over your magic, whereas wild magic, it just kind of happens. Yeah. Right. Like you can't actively oh, yeah. go, I'm going to make a wild magic right now. Which I think separates it. Yeah, that's fair. I think the, the the underlying thing is if a character is really adamant and wanting to have and to use a feat for that, go right ahead. There's plenty of other feats that would be more beneficial for your character. But if that's what you really want to do, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> and I mean, in, in talking about this as well, like if you're going to take Warcaster, it would definitely be one of the first feats you take in your leveling process, I oh, think, yeah. especially. Oh, yeah. It's more beneficial, I find, at lower level than it is at higher level sometimes. Mm. So. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're able to, and if you're a squishy player and then all of a sudden you have attack of opportunity and you have like, I hit with my wand. Yes. Whack. Oh, 1d4 <laughs> of damage. Okay. <laughs> How exciting. <laughs> so good. I all almost right. had him, guys. I almost had him. <laughs> all right. Well, the second one on my list is Spell Sniper. Uh, So this is also found in the player's handbook with the prerequisite of being able to cast only one spell as well. Uh, What it gives you is, for one, when casting a spell that requires an attack roll, you can double the range. 
for ranged spell attacks, ignore half cover and three quarter cover. Very specific. And you can also, you get to choose another cantrip that requires an attack roll. You can choose from bard, cleric, druid, sorcerer, warlock, or wizard spells. And know that the spell casting ability will be based on the class that you choose from. So, for example, um, charisma spell casting ability for like your bard, your sorcerer, your warlock, etc. So keep that in mind when choosing which spell place to take from. Because if you're a charisma based, you may want to stick with charisma based spells, but so on and so forth. But what do you guys think of that one? It's pretty good. Uh, my question is, how often do you use cover? Right, like how never. I think that's also based <laughs> on the the kind of game that you're playing because I know some of my characters, they use cover fairly often, and the DM I have to try always find out. Okay, what can I do? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know some tables just don't even bother with trying to do cover because I mean, it's I don't know, yeah. it can be annoying. Yeah. I find it, I, I find it leads to quite a few arguments of no but that should give me half cover no that should give me three quarters cover and sometimes i just want to go like no, i'm not fucking with this mixed in with as a dm sometimes you remember it in one battle and you forget about it in the next so it's kind yeah, of like absolutely. how do you it's, it's one of those ones that's hard to stay consistent with so i find that if you're playing in a like i don't know one or two shot and like you're very honed in on the rules it's easier to utilize using half cover and full cover and what have you. But like, if you're playing in a long-term game where it's going to come up rarely, like it just, uh, yeah, I wouldn't remember it to be that. But to be fair for spell sniper, I don't think that's the reason I would take it. That's the thing is you have to think about it doubles the distance. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. And mentioning what you said earlier about a fireball twice as far away from you. Yeah. You're standing on a hilltop. You just launch this down on a town side. Yeah. I mean, honestly, how often are you what's the distance on fireball 90 feet yep uh, how often are you 180 feet away from a target in a battle how high is that hilltop i don't know <laughs> but i mean you're just gonna nuke villages yeah i don't, well, I don't know your I, enemy i but even that... like 90 to 180 is not like a vast difference right? it's not but there's been many many times that when i've been playing in a campaign where uh the monk and the rogue will run head and they'll get in there and they'll start popping off their shit and then it's the wizard or the sorcerer who's like am i within 30 feet always yeah. it's the first thing that comes out of a spellcaster's mouth is am i within 30 feet like yeah. <laughs> so i feel like this kind of mitigates that a little bit and gives you a little bit more freedom at a lower level as a spellcaster um especially for like spells that are buffing as you're saying that it allows the caster to still stay back away from most harm yeah but be able to cast this on players uh, especially think of a, a think of a cleric um if they're casting healing word well, and suddenly just boosts the distance and hit everyone yeah it's a it has to be a spell that requires an attack roll though so it wouldn't work with healing spells never mind yeah so it's only for your things like fireball or yeah. um i don't know i can't think of range spells right now guiding bolt yeah uh, firebolt yeah yeah I mean, I don't know. Personally, I would never take it. I might if we were doing using cover, because I think that is like a huge bonus if it is big in your game, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Half cover is what? Plus two to AC and three quarters cover is plus five to AC. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, it's it's useful. It's a good if spell if you are rules. dealing with that. Yeah. I would say it's also great if you're playing more of a stealth game too, casting this from a distance and trying to be stealthy about it. Yeah, it helps your squishy character stay a little bit more alive while the barbarian and the fighters can do their thing at a distance and not really have to worry about their wizard dying from a one shot. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I guess I'm that's just, true. I'm just thinking of dis uh, 
the wizard rolling a deception check to make the enemy think it's coming from the barbarian. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, those are the two main, those are two two most popular magic ones, I think, anyways. Absolutely. Uh, so these are both so inherently good and taken so often. Do you think that they should have just been baked into certain classes or subclasses? No. Can I roll for this one? I'm just going to flat out say no. Yeah, I'm just going to flat out say no. I think that like it it really determines picking feats helps almost decide on a personality for your character. And so I feel like choosing Warcaster for a magical character makes you play them more inherently fighty, if that makes sense, because they're a little bit more brave. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you did not take Warcaster, you would be a little bit more, you know, playing it safe, like that kind yeah, of stuff, pushy. right? So it's the same thing with spell sniper is like, it gives you, it gives you a boon that helps alter your personality. And I think it needs to be a choice. I don't think it's going to be baked into your character, but that's just my thoughts. Yeah. I, I would more... agree. Sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> go ahead, Kyle. You first. Go ahead. Okay. I, yeah, I would say no. Cause I think Warcaster is just too good. Right. It, it would overbalance it if you added it into like certain classes. I mean, I think uh, ideally it would work best with something like, Hexblade Warlock or Bladesinger Wizard, where you are like up close and you're still pretty soft, right? And it would just be too much, right? It should have a cost to it. I would agree with that. The only caveat, because I agree with both of you entirely, if I were to give this to any particular class or subclass, it would be just too much. What I would want to experiment with is to take it apart, take certain aspects, like take these two spells apart give maybe a part of Warcaster to a particular subclass, not the whole thing, mm. but maybe just the reaction part, but not yeah. the not the rest of it. I, 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 it'd be interesting to take it apart and, mix, and divvy it up, so to speak. Yeah, or give it away as like a boon kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it has to go, It ha- there has to be a reason for it and not just, oh yeah, it's part of it now. No, it, it, it has to be, a very good reason why i'm a strong believer in like there has to be a reason why things happen even when you're leveling your characters like yes i remember like i i just recently leveled my monk character who is taking way of the ascendant dragon who suddenly has wings and so i'm just like why the fuck did i sprout wings explain it to me like because it's not but in my head i'm like it can't be just because so and that's the same thing when it comes to what you were just saying about these pieces like if you're going to reward them, your characters or give them out as boons, like it's, they went through something dramatic or, you know, they were, they are, they died four or five times in a battle. So now you innately have gained being a war battle caster because you're stronger and better, like a super saiyan. I don't know. But like, that's how I feel about it. Okay. Yeah. Out of curiosity, how did you explain your wings for your monk? Uh, she missed a couple of sessions. So um, it was one of those things where she actually spent time in the monastery and uh, basically just praying to her God, who is a green dragon. And then but she is inherently bad at praying. And like and it's like every time she's ever rolled in our like canonically, anytime she's ever rolled for like some kind of concentration for just praying or like staying in meditation, she fails it. And so we played it into the game where suddenly she succeeded. And that's what happened. She succeeded. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, in mind, be bad at praying. She is inherently um, cold and almost narcissistic. So she hates everyone and everything, and actually hates the god she's praying to. Mm, Makes sense. Green dragon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Any who's cool. Uh, All right. Let's dig into some feats. 
Let's uh, roll initiatives. Who's going first? Okay. I got 13. I got a 15. Nice. I got a big old one. Blessings. Oh, killing it. Uh, oh, all right. Gosh, I I'm have. <laughs> all right. I have Artificer Initiate. Uh, so you learn one cantrip and one first level spell from Artificer using intelligence as your spell casting modifier. You can cast the first level spell once without once per long rest without using a spell slot, although you can also use any spell slots you have to cast it as well. You gain proficiency with one type of artisan's tools of your choice, which you can also use as a spellcasting focus for any spell that uses intelligence as a spellcasting ability. Uh, so I was thinking about classes and subclasses for it. I think uh, it would probably work best with like the arcane trickster rogue or the arcane archer fighter, uh, something that you know, intelligence is gonna matter or that you're gonna specifically put intelligence into. Although, you know, personally, I, I would never take this feat because Artificer first level spells just aren't that good. Yeah, I was gonna say it would be one of those things that you take if you ha really inherently wanted to add something at a lower level. Yeah. And But at lower level, would you really want to waste that on this feat? You know, like it would be a, a balancing act for sure. That's just it. Yeah, you... You'd have to really want it for the flavor, if anything. You wouldn't you wouldn't do it necessarily because it's the best feat that you can take for your character. It would be more so I want to bake this flavor into my character and what they're doing. And you could even I, I could see them flavoring it or using this to make the spells that they cast more artificer like. Mm -hmm. They're using they're using crazy bullshit types of ways to cast things suddenly i'm wearing an iron gauntlet and that's how i'm casting this one spell yeah. <laughs> okay sure go ahead honestly i would if i was doing it for flavor i put it on a really dumb character who thinks that they're like amazing because they can cast this one spell and they yeah. use this one <laughs> set of tools <laughs> it's the tools for me you know yeah. Every, everybody loves more benefits for tools <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man um, well, I have the magic initiate, which is quite similar, but basically, once again, you can find it in the player's handbook, has no prerequisite. So, of course, anyone can take it. You get to choose a class and learn two cantrips of your choice of that class spell list. Choose one first level spell to learn from that same list. And you can cast this spell, as always, once at its at its lowest level, very specific, uh, without a spell slot. And you can do that once per long rest. Uh, the spellcasting ability is, of course, repped by the class that you choose, so not by your actual spellcasting ability. So once again, something to keep in mind that if you want to get crazy and choose a random ass spell, make sure that you can actually cast it well. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, you have to make sure you can actually do it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, for for this one, I I don't hate it. I like the idea that you can choose spells from other spell lists to kind of like broaden your horizons kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I do, again, I feel like it's going to be a flavorful thing of like picking a random spell and being like, yes, I can do this thing. But I don't know. I I do and do not like this one. Like it, it makes sense. But if I'm going to take it, it would be at a lower level. It wouldn't be at a higher level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's built to beef up your character at, at a lower level in my head for a one shot. If yeah. I was playing a long shot, or like like a long campaign i don't think i would take this but if i was going to play a short campaign where i know i'm not going to get to level six or six or ten then i would take it right yeah i don't know what do you I guys could definitely i could definitely see myself forgetting about it after yeah. a while right like once you get high enough yeah but i do i do think it could be really fun you know like 
you can take it with just about any class, right? If you have a half decent stat for a class that like that, that it didn't really matter for, you know, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I would probably take this at level one or level zero just to, for the, like the fuck around and find out <laughs> like, factor of it. Yeah, because I think that's the big thing with like um, magic casters, especially is that at the early, early stages and early levels, you do not have a lot of spell slots and you don't have a lot of spells. So this is one that you can take at the very beginning of the game to like beef up your character's capabilities. And I find it more playable and more fun as a lower level character just to have access to a little bit more. Right. That's why I look at it, too, is this gives the ability for other casters that or not even other casters. But let's just say even let's say someone who doesn't cast anything, who's not a magic user to suddenly have cantrips, the access to cantrips, even if it's only two. And let's say you're, uh, I guess. You, I guess you could say your your monk, for example, and they they are taking something that's a uh, off of the cleric or the druid, uh, a cantrip. They suddenly have access to this magic when they could not cast it before at all. Hey, so man. I, th- I find I find it's just a really fun idea. It's a fun thing to do, and it gives them again that ability to cast magic when you couldn't before. Yeah, I I will say it, it was a hoot. Um, especially because with the way of ascendant monk, you get a breath weapon at like yeah. level three, and so <laughs> so I just rocked up to a battle once, and all of a sudden, just like threw down an acid fire breath, and everybody was like, "What the fuck? You're a monk?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I am." <laughs> well, that, and that's just it too. Like uh, based on all these cantrips are so underutilized, especially at higher levels. Yeah. So the fact that you, any person can take this and use cantrips, uh, two cantrips. Even at higher levels, I find it could still be beneficial. Would it be my number one choice? Maybe not necessarily, but still can be absolutely utilized if you're in the right campaign for it. Yeah, it's neat. All right. So what I have is the Ritual Caster. Now, this can be easily found on the Player's Handbook. And it is quite fun, actually. I'm a, a fan of any ritual spells. So the the fact that you have the ability now, you you gain a a spell book essentially that has a couple ritual spells in it. Or I should say it's a ritual book, not a spell book. But you're able to choose uh, from any of the main the, the main classes that we have, from bard to war a warlock to wizard, any of these. And you can choose uh, up to two ritual spells that come in this in this book. Remember, they have to have the ritual tag. And now, once once you come across it, um, you can add it to your your book. So you, it not only do you have these two, but as you come across more rituals, based on what I can see here, is you are able to add more rituals to this book as you come across it. So you're not limited to just two. This gives you the ability to cast ritual spells, which I find a bit of a boon. Have you guys ever looked into the different ritual spells that there are? Yeah. I, yeah. Like I, I, I'm a big fan of the, the ritual spells, but like you have your classic ones, like detect magic you can cast as a ritual or like um, identify, like that stuff comes most in handy in the campaign when you're trying to do something really quick. Um so if you inherently can't cast ritual spells to begin with, being able to suddenly be able to do that, it would be very helpful for the party. Exactly. I, I like the flavor of this of like a paladin suddenly could do it. And or or maybe your rogue has the ability to do this. And then they suddenly are writing skywrite in the air. But it is a thieves can't. Yeah, I mean, like I like rituals. It's a cool ability, but I mean, 
their utility is kind of few and far between, at least for me, right? Like Leoman's Tiny Hut, yeah, great. You can use it anytime. Uh, Skyrite, like how often in a campaign are you really going to use Skyrite, right? Like in the right situation. It's a fun. Yeah, it's in the right great. situation, yeah. Right, and it also depends on like how often is your DM going to be dropping these spell scrolls? How hard are they to find? Uh, is there any sort of like customability or customization in terms of what you can get? Right, like are you going to be able to shop around and find one that you really want, or are you just going to get uh, something like purify food and drink and then not yeah. find another one for a while? Right, I think it would be really neat if you built a character specifically around this. So like. They aren't inherently a, a strong magic user, but they take this, this ritualistic thing. And then their whole goal is to just shop around and find spell scrolls. And that'd be a conversation to have with your DM to say how readily available to your point are these going to be. And whenever you're in a town, go hunting for spell scrolls, for rituals. And that's just like one of your things is that you just want to learn magic. And so, but the only way you can learn magic is through spell scrolls and doing ritualistic magic. That'd be neat. I like that flavor. I like that a lot. I mean, it's very hyper-specific, but like it would make that a feat very... Again, I like looking at feats as a, a, a building block for your character, kind of like how we, other campaigns and other like role-playing games will use advantages or disadvantages to help build how your character operates. I feel like feats can do that. And I think that that's a way that you can use this one to kind of build the backstory of your character. Yeah, okay. I agree. I, I honestly, you know what, now that you mentioned it, I'm kind of imagining like, you know, that teenager that draws a pentagram and accidentally summons a demon. And then they're like, <laughs> they did it once and they're like, oh shit. Yeah, this is- I gotta this do is, this more. This is Death Note in a, you know- in a, in a nutshell, right? You have a book that you just have filled with all these ritualistic spills, spells, or you find someone's, you find a wizard's spell book, but you can't do any of them except for the ritual ones, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, he has like a pink sticky note on those particular ones. Yeah, I can use these spells and these spells only. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so which of these three is your favorite and why? Ooh. I, I would say I would have to say magic initiate. I mean, artificer and the ritual one are two very hyper-specific ones where I think magic can be used by anyone. Like, I feel like it's more broad and more open and more useful. Like, to your point earlier, Tyler, about, like, being able to use cantrips and multiple cantrips at higher levels can actually come in handy, right? So, I don't know. That's my thoughts. I really like the idea of a ritual caster just for the fact of you able to cast these spells without expending a spell slot. Uh, that's just because it's a ritual spell. And I, I'm a big fan of using the exploration social pillars uh, more than the combat. So I really like the idea of having this ritual cast and using it for exploration, using it outside of combat because it's you can't really in combat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm with Magic Initiate because I could definitely find a way to piss off a DM with it. And that's <laughs> my driving force a lot of the times. <laughs> so good 100 you can yes <laughs> although i do like the ritual caster because i like the idea of having a familiar with a character that normally wouldn't have a familiar right mm -hmm. like that is definitely yeah. number one spell going in that book i like the idea of tenso's floating disc suddenly mm. you're just sitting in on the air what how are you doing that oh just can. none of your business that's why <laughs> it took me 10 minutes to do this quiet it's like shh <laughs> uh tensor's floating disc is actually immobile if you're within 20 feet of it it like just oh, that's follows right. you around. yeah you're right yeah the next one on the list is eldritch adept um which requires you to be able to cast spells as a prerequisite uh you learn one eldritch invocation of your choice provided you meet the requirements and can replace it uh whenever you gain a level as well 
I mean, honestly, I love Eldritch Invocations. I think they're awesome. And having them on a non-warlock would be great, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to change it every level too really adds to the play. And you get so many options just right away without having any of the prerequisites, right? Like there's uh, Shadow Armor, which is you can just cast Mage Armor on command, right? So you got a character with like a high dex fucking and can't wear armor. Great. It's awesome. Doesn't require <laughs> a spell slot. Yeah. It's uh, a sweet, 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 strong fail safe. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. The the Eldritch uh, Adept it just gives that whole other range of spells that would not usually be available. Yeah, and it's very much along the lines of you know the ritual one where you basically can cast a spell and it doesn't cost you a spell slot. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's most of it for most of the ones that we're talking about today. It usually almost all of them have this ability. I think. Yeah. Most yeah, most of them do, and like sometimes like. It'll be like you can cast it once without a spell slot, but then the rest of the time you do have you can you can use spell slots, or you only get one shot, right? No, Megan, yeah. you try and remember that for next time. I know, right? Hey, I wasn't the only one. Kyle did it too. That's the only reason why I was okay with admitting my mistakes. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Adam, don't listen. <laughs> I'm glad I could pave the way for you. The next time I use Misty Step, please know <laughs> that I can only do it once. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lordy. Uh, all right. I have Elemental Adept. Uh, so this one can be planned in the player's handbook as uh, as we've spoken to about these. Uh, it does have a prerequisite, of course, of being able to cast at least one spell. Uh, when you get this feat, you choose a damage type between Acid, Cold, Fire, Lightning, or Thunder. And then any spells you cast ignore resistances to that damage type. And then when you roll damage with a spell of that element, you can change the damage rolls. Uh, if you roll a one, you can change it to a two. So you get a small amount of extra damage out of that. Uh, something neat, though, is if you choose this, you can choose this feat multiple times and just choose a different element. So you can just basically... Does it add, does it add the on to the element or does it change it? Yeah, you get another one. You get a different element. So, yeah, so, so you it, can you... ignore ice, like cold damage um, resistance and fire damage resistance kind of thing. Yeah. Or is it that, or is it that it takes one away? Like, if you suddenly choose fire and then you choose it again for ice, does the fire go away? You no longer have that? No, or is it no, just? No. It stacks. It stacks. Okay, yeah. that scared me a little. Second. I'm like, why would I ever take it twice in a row if it's just going to no. negate one? No, no, no. It, so if you stack, you can stack it. So if you take it at a lower level and you become resistant or, like, you know, extra on this, like, acid damage... Then if you take it again at like your fourth or sixth or ninth level, then you can take it for fire or lightning or whatever. You just stack on top of it. Nice for a fighter. Yeah. It's a very interesting one. Like the only, like the only downside is that yes, you have to be able to cast a spell. So you do, if you wanted to have like a fighter or like someone who's front facing in battle to have this. That yeah, I was gonna say Eldritch Knight or a Paladin. This would be really dope with, yeah. um, because then with Paladins, depending on what like path you take, you can either have all of your auras plus now you're resistant plus now all these things, right? Like I didn't even think to add this to a Paladin until I read it, and I was like, I would like to add this to a Paladin in a heartbeat. But yeah, yeah. I'd want okay, to do it so... early on to give that fun flavor. It would be early on for sure. Yeah. So yeah, my 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 blade is suddenly wreathed in lightning. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as for what blade that is, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, okay, you were mentioning earlier, you know, building a character around a feat kind of thing. And this, I think, is like the perfect example of it, right? Because I always like the idea of building like an elemental mage, right? Where mm. it's like, I, I'm only going to take fire spells, you know, just to like, I was 
a child and I grew up obsessed with fire or ice or whatever. Right. And so it's like, you can really lean into a specific kind of mage and character development without having to worry about optimization. Right. So now I don't have to worry about like, I think fire is one of the most, the, one of the elements with the most enemies that have resistance or immunity to right and so now you can just ignore that and just build it for fun without having to worry about oh shit where you know we're going down to an avernus like i'm gonna have to get away from fire magic so i'll be able to like be useful in a, a battle kind of thing mm-hmm. also i love the like uh treating any one on a damage die as a two because i have rolled some fireballs which are like six ones and then a two and a three and there is nothing more Fucking disappointing than that. Yeah, it's painful. It just sizzles out as it goes down. How that hurt? Yeah, it seems small until you realize like what, how much damage, how many dice you roll for elemental yeah. spells. So yeah, that's true. It, it really does actually sound like it would come in handy for those accidental ones, right? But yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, I like it. The one I have here is the Meta Magic Adept, and this actually is coming from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything because everything is in there. But this essentially gives you the ability to get two meta magic options uh, from the sorcerer class. But I think we all know that. But it is interesting because it, it grants this ability to suddenly have these options that a sorcerer, only a sorcerer has. Now, if you take this, uh, you are you only get two sorcery points and they come back at the end of a long rest. Now, every time you level up, though, uh, or an ability score improvement, you can change the meta magic to something else if you want. For example, if you suddenly have empowered spell and you find that you're not using it, well, I think I'm going to change it instead to quicken spell. So I find that I like that it gives the versatility that you can change it. You don't actually have to spend your feet or want anything on it. It just gives you the ability to change it whenever an ability score improvement comes. So I find it's a, I like that caveat in there, but uh, it, it's, it's an interesting one. You have to have the right player for it. Yeah. And it's, you would, to be able to get the main benefit out of it, you would have to take it at lower, like level zero slash like it's, otherwise you're not going to get all of the benefits from it. If you can only do it when you do adjustments. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like that. It only stays at two. You only get two sorcery points. That's it. Hands yeah. down. You don't gain any more. I yeah. I have a problem with this. It now if the campaign was such that you guys are doing one maybe two battles a day and then you get or you really get a long rest in, sure, then it becomes worth it. But if you're going on like three four sessions on the same day and that you've only got short rests in, it's it's a little almost pointless. You gotta you're saving it for the big battle before the end of the day and it does does not come. Yeah. Okay, so I have actually taken this feat before, and I took it on a multi-class sorcerer, and it was awesome, right? So <laughs> I took two le- I took two levels of warlock, so I missed out on two sorcery points and kind of like dropped my level progression down a little bit. But then I added two more back into my pool, so it just made my pool bigger. And then I also had pretty much all the metamatic magic options I wanted. Right. So I think you get like two meta magic options until level 10, I want to say. Yeah. So now I had like four meta magic options and like a bunch of sorcery points. It was frankly awesome. Also, I think this is one of those 
feats that, you know, if you're looking for utility outside of combat, it's great, right? Subtle spell is only one sorcery point and it is awesome for role play or, you know, you're trying to do some stealthy stuff and you don't want people to know that you are casting magic. It is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of flexibility in the way you can use the meta magic, right? That it doesn't necessarily work for combat but i do agree that you know the the two meta magic points is pretty limiting especially with stuff like twin spell um, exactly where, yeah there's some spells that require the have that you're using two sorcery points it doesn't say that you can use it twice it says that you have two sorcery points to spend how you want yeah well uh, like with twin spell it's the, the amount of sorcery points that gets used depends on the level of the spell that you're using it on and for me i was using twin spell with haste everybody oh oh that's nice now look at the big brains on kyle <laughs> convinced me you've convinced me i i really now that you i really like it for using it as a sorcerer to gain those extra sorcery points i think that's brilliant um mm -hmm. that so kudos yeah good job i like that i i really like that actually yeah uh, i'll be honest though i like power gamed the shit out of that character that's yeah and I, I think you have as i was mentioning earlier is you have to be the right player for this i'm not going to recommend this to someone who's brand new because meta magic in and of itself can be a little a little confusing if you don't know exactly how to use the different the different aspects of it to to do it right or do yeah. it a good way uh so which of these is your guys's favorite you've convinced me on the meta magic one even though i don't really use those kinds of characters because i like paladins so i will still say that elemental adept is my favorite because i really want to use it now fair enough yeah the only problem with the paladin one though is you don't you can't use it for radiant that's fine <laughs> have you met her paladin <laughs> i have not i've never actually played with megan i would love neither, to know. neither have i but i've heard enough <laughs> sounds but like a hoot didn't we actually play in a didn't we play in like a one shot once kyle we dm'd together we did oh we were the dms for that yeah. yeah. So no, you're right. We've never actually played at a table together. Interesting. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I think I would choose the Eldritch adept for this. I, I just love the different flavor that this can bring to a character, especially if it's completely off base of who your character is. You're suddenly casting these Eldritch spells and you're, so you're actually a very good aligned character. And then you cast this and they're like, how did you just help? cast eldritch blast who are you mind your own fucking business that's what <laughs> yeah that's, that's the, the new response for everything how did you do that none of your business that's how <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every character just becomes a bitch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh i i have to agree with elemental adept it just seems the most fun and it seems like i you can do the most character kind of building around it which i love i love writing two-page backstories for characters so don't worry you're not the only one fair enough fair enough all right uh next we're gonna cover some strixhaven uh feats so megan what do you got for us uh i have the strixhaven initiate in uh, initiate 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 <laughs> Yeah. I'm having problems with words today, as I always do. Um, all right. So as mentioned, this comes from the Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos book and is a bit hefty. So just give me a hot second here. So uh, basically how this works is you choose one of the Strixhaven colleges. And anyone who's not familiar with Strixhaven is basically like Harry Potter wizarding school. Um, so you choose one of the Strixhaven colleges and you learn two cantrips and one's first level spell. 
However, it's something to keep in mind is that there is a table in the book that is very specific to what you can choose from based on which school you choose. You can choose um, and you can cast that first level spell once without a spell slot, as we discussed, uh, once per long rest, or you can utilize your spell slots to cast it. Uh, what also makes this slightly different is the spellcasting ability is what you choose it to be between int uh, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. So it's not specific to a class or something like that. Um, so to give an example or two from the actual like table of contents that it comes from what your options are. So like one of the schools is called Quandrix, which means you can choose between Druidcraft, Guidance, and uh, Mage Hand. And then, or the first level spell options uh, would have to come from Druid or Wizard spells. So that's kind of an example of how it works. It kind of tells you what cantrips you have access to. You get to choose two of them. And then your first level spells, it tells you which class you can pull from. Yeah. Are you a Hufflepuff? Are you a Gryffindor? Kind of oh, I, like that, right? I, yeah, absolutely. But I'm a Slytherin. But thanks for thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not surprised. <laughs> Not at all. Hey, man, I'm a very determined human being. Um, but yeah, it's pretty hefty. And like, I do feel like it's, it, it does. I like that they did close it down to you can only choose these types of spells based on what college you choose, because obviously those colleges are themed, right? Mm. Like one yeah, of them. I really like that. Yeah. Like one of them is like the cantrips for what is it called? Lorehoid? Lorehoid? Uh, Lorehold. Lore, Lorehold. Sorry. Yeah. The tidy. The words are this big on my screen. You can choose between Light, Sacred Flame, or Thaumaturgy, which is, in my mind, very themed. And then you can oh, choose yeah. from a Cleric or a Wizard for your first level spell. So I just, I I, I like how they did that. Um, and I think it would give you access to spells you wouldn't normally have access to, which is kind of what we're looking for when it comes to the customization for your magical characters at lower levels. But yeah, so I, I kind of like it. It's neat. Kinda, again, it kind of builds the personality of your character. I feel like if you're going to take this, you would want to do some research on what that college actually represents. Uh, but that would be my only like forethought for a DM or for someone who wants to take this one is a little bit of research needed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. You give me a backstory. Give me a reason why you're where you are. And yeah, I do like it though. I like how many options it gives you. I really like the options that it gives you, but it's not just a blank slate. Uh, it, that it's not just choose any of these spells that you want, which I find is fifth edition is really going that way. It's uh, choose be as be as creative as you want. We're not going to give you any bounds to go by other than levels and stuff of like that. No, I like that. They're saying, here's a table. If you choose this, you can choose from these spells. You choose this and those spells. I really like how they have kind of brought that in. Mm -hmm. and it, it kind of it helps it, it helps rather than hinders in the character building process yeah i agree because you're going to take the time to pick what school at what college you're you're learning from right exactly and, and then i might give you a couple of npcs to give your player like who taught you how to do this right okay exactly. cool so for the the next one that i have here actually ties into that it's the the Strixhaven mascot Ooh, you essentially are able to cast the find familiar spell as a ritual and you can actually summon a familiar of the whatever uh, mascot or the, the whatever you are from, whatever school of magic and Strixhaven you are from, you can summon the mascot to, to your aid. And what this looks like, essentially, just like any familiar, when you take an attack out, when you choose to an attack, you can forego one of your attacks and they can attack instead. Uh, but one thing I really like about it is the idea of if you're in 60 feet of them, of this familiar, you can 
you can uh, use your action to teleport and swap between the two. Um, so essentially, if you're in the midst of battle and you are just, you're going down, there's nothing you can do. You are surrounded and your familiar is 60 feet away from you on a cliff. You can teleport out of there. And well, your familiar is there. Good luck. Well, see you again. <laughs> that's how you piss off. You want to piss off a familiar? That's how you piss off a familiar. <laughs> it's okay. It's just from the school. <laughs> I'll get a new one. <laughs> there's owls galore. You're fine. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Now you can only do this once, uh, once uh, every long rest, but that's all you need. Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty cool. So, what do you guys think of this? This is essentially the familiar spell you had mentioned before. Uh, you'd mentioned be- before, Kyle, that if you could be a ritual caster, the only reason you would have it is to cast the familiar spell, and that's what this is. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it you get, like it. your own customized familiar. I mean, come on. And I think this it, would actually make me would be the reason I choose any given school would be depending on what familiar it is. Yeah. School spirit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go bug bears. <laughs> <laughs> I almost envision this kind of like if if I were to think to Harry Potter, I would almost think of this as the uh, uh, Patronus spell or Patronus. I have not read Harry Potter in a long time. Sorry, internet. I am sorry. Patronus. Yeah. There we go. Patr- Patr- like... I also could not think of it, so you're okay. I'm just like, I just saw this on a TikTok like yesterday. What is the word? <laughs> yeah, but this is this is kind of like the uh, Patronus spell. You're casting this and it's coming to your aid. And I, I would bet... almost want to flavor it that way. Yeah, I bet that that was the inspiration behind it. Not going to lie to you. It's probably like, well, oh, how do we make this into, how do we take Patronus and make it into a D&D spell? I got you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> but i have no problem with it i think this is great this is fun yeah it's fun it's cute yeah yeah they're pretty they're pretty cool i'm actually just looking at them right now and the inkling mascot is pretty fun yeah yeah they're, they're actually got some decent uh stats to them they're not like just wimpy no they're, they're they are fun to use yeah they got like a fun once a day ability each of them yeah all right cool cool cool, cool. uh so would you let people choose these feats even if they're not playing in a strict saving campaign uh there would have to be a reason why so yeah so like we like currently in the campaign that i'm playing in with like adam and crew one of the players is Mm. playing a wizard who was from this school but we are not playing a strict saving campaign so i would would completely agree with that yeah so they they have some of the spells from strict saving like and some of the feats and stuff too and it fits yeah. because they are they literally joined our group as a teenaged boy who graduated his wizardry high school and is now on their first adventure, basically. So we're not again, we're not playing in Strixhaven or doing any of that, but th- their background is very Strixhaven heavy. Okay. Yeah. So they're playing Harry Potter, is what you're telling me? Kind of, but like no, they it, played Harry Potter. They played Harry Potter and this is the post Harry Potter game. Oh, <laughs> they need, to, they need okay. to read this series called The Magicians. There you go. That's what they need to read. Yeah. <laughs> So, but no, I, it's been enjoyable, right? Like we're not playing in that that world or that realm in any way, shape or form, but like it's been very mm-hmm. neat as other players at the table to see what they're capable of doing. Because it's it's such neat stuff that yeah. you, you won't have access to if you don't allow your players to navigate it, right? Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all for customizing a player. If you can give me a reason and you can make it fun, I will allow just about anything. I'm very, very easygoing. Again, we want the players to have fun. We don't want to be limiting what they can do if it is going to add to the overall uh, 
entertainment value for them to want to come back. Now, if it's going to break the game, no. Okay. Yes, but answers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> instead of just yes, anding everything, it's a yes, but. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, all right, Tyler, you are going to take us over some Dragonlance feats yes, as well? Yes, I am. Yeah. And buckle up because some of these are pretty hefty. So in the Dragonlance is pretty magic heavy. Have you guys ever done Dragonlance before or played in Dragonlance? I've read one of the books and yeah. I talked about the setting with Adam in another episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty heavy when it comes to the to magic and even combat stuff. It, it can be some pretty heavy stuff and they're high hitting. And so it's no surprise that some of these might seem like a little OP, but we're going to go through them because I think they're really fun. <laughs> but the first one we're going to look at is the Adept of the Black Robes. Now, actually, you know what? Before we go into that, let's look at the first, the prerequisite that each one of these needs. Because uh, there's the Black Robes, White Robes, and Red Robes, but all of them require something called the Initiate of High Sorcery. Now, much like what we've already seen, you can you're gonna choose some spells, and then you get to cast one of them for free once per day. However, there's a caveat to this. Kind of like what we saw with the Strixhaven, you have to choose one of these three different, uh, I guess you could say, things that they believe. Uh, the 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 different, I guess. The three moons, I believe, yes, yeah, three moons of Kryn that you choose to have your magic influenced by. And there's uh, New Atari, Lunatari, and Solanari. I believe those are the three. But each three has different spells that you can choose from. And you choose two spells from the spell lists that they give you for each one. And I think there's only like four or five spells that you can choose from. And there's uh, four for each of them. Yes. And you okay, get to choose yeah. uh, two from. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're. They're pretty fun too. I, I'm just and some of them like the if you're choosing the the new Atari, which focuses kind of almost on like the black moon. You have like dissonant whispers, false life, hex, and ray of sickness. Definitely not your happiest sounding, but some really colorful stuff that can be done in there. Uh, but each of these have these actually pretty decent first level spells in there that you can choose. Uh, you can choose two of these from, and you can cast one once per day without using a spell slot. Now, your again, the spell casting ability is based on uh, whatever you want to intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. One of those three you choose before you select the feat, so it has to stay whatever it is. You can't change it midway through. So that's the uh, the initiative high. Uh, high sorcery it's pretty fun yeah uh so the three moons are actually supposed to represent the different alignments right uh like new atari is the evil one uh lunatari is neutral neutral and is supposed to be good aligned keep in mind guys that is in comparison to whatever the character believes is good love me a moon phase (laughs) (laughs) just be a druid (laughs) <laughs> we covered the there was the what was it the lunar lunar druid or whatever it was yeah exactly yeah, druid yeah. Of the stars druid of the stars amazing uh, we also lose learn one cantrip from the spell uh, the wizard spell list on top of this as well so you can choose one cantrip and two first level spells so it i find this so far this is not that overpowered this is quite quite similar to what we've already had and i like this flavor that this gives again for the idea of 
you can only choose of these four. That's all you can choose from. And I, I like how that can build a character. What do you guys think? Okay, so one of the things that bugs me about this is that the, the prerequisites are, you know, you have to be playing a sorcerer, a wizard, or a mage of high sorcery, which is actually a background that you can yeah. choose. So mm-hmm. the background That's gives true, yeah. you... Yeah, so the background actually gives you the feat as well, right? So I can play a warlock that comes with the background of mage of high sorcery to skip the sorcerer or wizard prerequisite and then still get the feat without actually having to choose the feat. So I think it's a little unbalanced in that sense. But makes your character hyper-specific, though. It's kind of like you're selecting that because that's the direction you're going. Um, You wouldn't just select it as like, oh, this is a fun thing to have. Like, you've selected it. This is now your character. So it's it's a choice. You have to make it the very beginning. And if Mm -hmm. you're going to go down the road. So yeah, the benefits are there. And like, you're very true, Kyle. Like, it's almost like a workaround of getting all these boons and benefits, but it's very hyper-specific to the situation and you are building a character. Like, that is your yeah. character. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Your sure. your background is coming from this kind of campaign setting. It's mm-hmm. very much, that's where you're from and that's where you're kind of guiding towards. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I come from it from a little bit of a power gamer perspective. So I think about like how, I don't know, how to abuse things. I of don't course, know, of to course do you do. Oh, oh. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I like, I can't, I can't stop my mind from going there. Right. So yeah. then you are uh, going to love I, these next ones. I yeah. will. So one of the things though, is like, if you do go the warlock with the background of the major high sorcery is it essentially gives you two extra first level spell slots, which is, it gives you a big leg up in terms of, playing as a warlock anyway that that no that really does absolutely you're right um or or even if you're taking another uh an, another kind of caster so to speak for example an artificer mm-hmm. or uh, how about if you're a rogue that is um that and you're taking the uh my goodness the spell casting rogue is a trickster the arcane trickster you got another two spells that you can use yeah so you're, you're absolutely right that it, it is it, it 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 can be a little just by taking that background but as megan as you said it, it forces you to kind of down that path yeah so yeah. if you if you want to do that i think it's great as a dm i would probably talk to the character first and see what are they trying to do yeah what's your what's your long-term goal here be exactly. is what i would say yeah yeah all right, so I'm actually going to run through the next three, just one after another, and we can talk about it after, just because they're relatively similar, but not. But the, So the first one I want to go through is the Adept of the Black Robes. So this is if you're serving the the uh, new uh, Atari moon, if you're kind of getting it from that. You can learn one second level spell of your choice, but it must be from the Enchantment or the Necromancy School of Magic. And you can cast this without using a spell slot uh, once a day or once per once long rest. Uh, now you have to have you have to um, have the appropriate spell level to cast it. Otherwise, now that is okay. I can cho- I can cast a second level spell with no spell slot. Okay, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but this next part is a little oh boy, life channel. You can essentially channel your life force into your magic. And so when you can see a creature that's within 60 feet of you and they fail at saving throw of a spell that deals damage, you can use your hit dice to the level of the spell and you can roll the, the all that hit dice and you add them together and it takes that much extra damage. But it takes so, up your it takes up your hit dice, though. It right? does take yeah. up your hit dice. Yes. 
but that's that's pretty hefty for a, to add extra damage on there. That's pretty Imagine, cool. Yeah, I like yeah, that. If you're casting like a what, let's say fire, uh, if you're casting something that is like a fifth level spell that, and remember this is something that they fail the saving throw against. Uh, and I, I'm just trying to look on here. Yeah, it's it just says a, a creature that you see within sixty feet of you fails the spell uh, the saving throw, and it's a spell that deals damage. So if you cast a fireball. A, let's say a six level fireball you can use six of your hit dice roll that and that's extra damage on top mm. pretty cool that is yeah. that is hard hitting mm. also adds like a really cool visual too the idea it of it really like does sucking from your own life to cause pain to another person throw down <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's... Uh, one of the things that's really good about it too is that it scales as you level up too uh, which yeah. is not something a lot of feats do right so like as you get higher up and you get more hit dice you can do it more and more so by the time you're casting fifth level spells i think you're what level 10 i think so, so depending you have on 10 depending hit on dice you could throw into it exactly yeah it's 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 pretty fun it as i said it's a it's a little on the heavy side i find but the so the adept of the red robes a similar thing with the casting it's a second level spell but it has to be from illusion or transmutation i like that that's it's, it's different than the other but here's the other part. It's something that's called the magical balance. When you make that attack roll or an ability check and you roll nine or lower on a d20 roll. Well, I guess what? It's now a 10. Have we not heard this before somewhere? Rogues. <laughs> you said, essentially, if you roll a nine or less, it's automatically a 10. By And you're all you're doing is you're balancing the fate. Uh, you can you can do this up to the amount of times as your proficiency bonus, and you gain it all back after a long rest. I I, I feel this is a little a little much. I don't know. Like, I feel like anything that utilizes your proficiency bonus as like a limitation. I think it tends to be a little bit more balanced than we think sometimes. Yeah, especially if you're if... especially if you're dungeon crawling. Like you're gonna you're gonna go through those pretty quick. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just there's something that bugs me about a if a wizard or even a bard would to, to cast this or would it try and cast a spell and they already are have a four or five just in the their ability score a modifier plus the proficiency score, so it's like eight maybe eight seven or eight additional to whatever they roll with who i'm thinking like a bard or a wizard because uh, again i'm based on their modifier because mm. it's based on their ability score plus the proficiency bonus but adding so they get a 10 no matter what well uh, what did you roll or oh, i rolled a four shoot no it's a 10 plus my uh does a 17 hit Yes, yeah. yes. It's, it's basically a better version of Lucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But and again, you are going to use it if you're doing like a dungeon crawl. But if it's something that, again, depending on the campaign you're building, yeah. I don't know. It's it's it is in my mind. It's a little heavy. But I, at least I know characters that would abuse the heck out of it. Um, but the the last one is the adept of the white robes, and it's the whole idea of using good, Matt. Using good, and you you essentially can't be any non-evil alignment that is one of the prerequisites of this uh, is and it doesn't even say that you have to serve solinari but i would imagine that you do but you have yeah, it you does can, it, right it does yeah sorry i'm yeah it also says you can't be any nothing evil aligned um 
Again, so it uses protective magic. So anything from the abjuration or conjuration school of magic, you can choose uh, a second level spell from that and you can cast it once per day. But the extra thing they have is something called the protective ward. And now when you see a creature that's within 30 feet and it takes damage, you can use your reaction uh, and to expel a spell slot and suddenly it has protective magic around the target. Uh, you essentially roll a, a d4s that's up to whatever the spell slot that you use is. So if you use a second spell slot, you're rolling three d4s and you reduce the damage by that much, plus your spell casting modifier. I Sweet. like this one. It's pretty cool. Like throwing up a nice little, it's like a little flavor of save your life, bitch, you know? It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you owe me. Yeah. But it, I like how it's, yeah, you're using your spell slots for this. So, but if you're using like a level one or level two spell slot, it may not be that much. But let's say if it hits them and you know that they're gonna die if it gets hit, well, let's let's give them a helping hand. Yeah, and it'll scale. It'll scale with you, right? Oh, like, absolutely. You'll be happier to throw down those level one or level two spell slots that you have four or five of, kind of thing. It's at one point, right? So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But you only can do it like you can't. I mean, you can't say I'm expending three level two slots. You know, it's only oh yeah one spell slot but you can do it several times like within a a combat once per round yeah Mm -hmm. exactly that's what i'm saying it's like it's kind of like instead of healing it's like instant heal instead of having to wait a full round to heal your party who took a hit of like 20 hit points it's like an instant no you've only taken 10 so i don't have to heal you next round exactly yeah you're gonna waste the spell slot one way or another in my mind this way it gives you a full action when your turn comes around where you don't have to heal someone yeah Right. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So before I go into the last one, I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think of these three adepts of the whatever color robe? I love a good theming. You know, I just and I've said it like many, many times in many episodes of this whole fucking podcast that when you're choosing backgrounds and choosing feats, they should build your character. And like this one, again, really speaks to that, because depending on what robe you choose, chooses how you act in, act in battle. It chooses your alignment almost. Like, and for some, it does choose your alignment, right? And then mm-hmm. you're going to have to act accordingly to that alignment. You're not going to choose the the white robes because you want to be a protective magic user and act like an asshole, right? Like, yeah. it's it's really going to d- determine how you, you operate. Well, we're right? D&D players. <laughs> to be fair, I did play a, like a lawful good paladin <laughs> who was an asshole. So I, it can be done. Um, but no, I, I do love a good theming. I love that it fits really well with the different themes too. Like there's one of destruction, one of healing, one of um it like it just like yeah i like Neutral. them yeah so personally i don't care for dragon lance i don't really like the setting i've never it's never really resonated with me i mean honestly i think these are really good feats and they do have a lot of flavor to them i would almost argue that they're too powerful though right yeah like, i would I, I lean on that spectrum of things. I do like them. Don't get me wrong. I think they're great. But as you said, it's a little too powerful. And now given that it has to be, you have to take both feats to give these. Like you have to take yeah. the initiative of the high sorcery first. But you have a first and a second level spell that you can cast at with, without expending a spell slot. Yeah, I would argue that there are secondary abilities like Protective Ward, uh, Life Those Channel, are- and the magical balance are really what make it like top tier. Yeah, Level above. But I don't know. I just, I, I do not care for Dragonlance. I always found it a little too morally gray and white or black and white. And mm. so I just never, 
No, fair and enough. Absolutely. Some people need that guidance in building their characters, though. And I think that it's things sure. like this that kind of help first time players really understand the consequences or benefits of taking a certain character in a, in a very specific direction. Right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. No, you're very right. But I want to be curmudgeony, and so I will. I want to be an asshole. Kyle says, <laughs> so I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> right out of the black robes, it is. But this last one that they have here is something called the divinely favored. And again, this is in the Dragonlance, the last one here. Um, and the only prerequisite is that you have to be fourth level or higher to take this. And it's the idea that a god chose you to carry this power that they have. All it is, just like what we've seen there elsewhere, you can learn one cantrip of your choice from the cleric spell list and one spell uh, based on the alignment of your character. I like that, actually. That's based on your alignment. Um, and because they have here, if you're evil alignment, you choose from the warlock spells. If you're good, you choose from clerical. Neutral, you choose from druid. Uh, I find that a little interesting. That uh, And on top of it, you also learn the augury spell, which is a pretty fun spell, like great for exploration and that. Um, but you can cast the first level spell and the augury spell without a spell slot. And again, after a long rest, you can use it again. Um, but the, the spell casting is you can choose of the intelligence, wisdom, or charisma when you take this feed. You can choose which one. Um, now, he, uh, they give a little thing at the end here for that. In addition to this, you can also use a holy symbol as a spell casting focus for any spell that you cast that uses the spell casting ability uh, when you select this feed. So it kind of also gives the ability to use the a holy symbol while casting these. It gives another additional flavor to it. Because even if you're not a cleric or anything like that, you can have a holy symbol that you use just yeah. for the fun flavor of it. Yeah, I like that. You're That's not a cleric. Cool. How do you have that? Oh, I just do. None of your business. <laughs> 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 Every time. <laughs> no, I think it's really cool. I think it's neat. Like, again, I feel like most of the Dragonlance stuff, to your point, Kyle, is very black and white of we are trying to make alignments happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're either good, you're bad, yeah. and there's like, mm. or you're, you're middle, or you're just like yeah. living your life, you know. So, yeah. but but I I do Trying like to make that paper. That's <laughs> very druidic. Wow. Yeah, man. But I don't know. I think it's really neat. I like the idea of again to your point, adds a lot of flavor to your character, gives a lot of versatility to the character in while keeping them very much on one path. That makes it easier to role play, right? Like it's the same stuff over and over again with Dragonlance. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah. So I the think thing about your point, Kyle, would really oh, depend sorry. on this. <laughs> we, we've been doing this a lot this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard when you do it online. Um, uh, much to your point, Kyle, like it's very much based on setting. So I think it. I wouldn't allow this just in any campaign, these guys. I, I think it would have to be very much based on their background. There has to be a dang good reason why you're taking this. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, you're not like you're not supposed to be using them outside of Dragonlance. It even says like right in the prerequisite. Yeah, it says in the Dragonlance campaign. Dragonlance. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about divinely favored is that um, Dragonlance doesn't actually have clerics. So mm -hmm. this is their way of making up for it, kind of thing. Yeah. There's no the whole idea of Dragonlance is that the gods have kind of stepped back and they're just hanging out doing their own thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that this is supposed to kind of fill the void because they're not actually supposed, you're not really supposed to have clerics in the setting. Well, maybe I'll change that. You can. I don't know. <laughs> there is like a man, Dragonlance is crazy. There's like 200 books 
that span like an insane amount of time. So there's like you could yeah, there's a lot like of any kind of time setting you wanted in it that really will affect the campaign. So I mean, it's got a little something for everybody. I shouldn't just shit on it, but it's really hard not to for me. Um, anyways, <laughs> how do you <laughs> how do you guys feel about these Dragonlance feats? Do you like them? Would you use them? Would you allow them? Would you play a Dragonlance campaign? I, I... If I was playing in a Dragonlance campaign, I would enjoy them a lot, but I don't think I need them in regular D&D. Like, mm-hmm. all of these things can be done in character builds elsewhere in one shape or form or another, right? Whether you take other types of feats to add to your wizards or your sorcerers, um, or just make a character that has a strong held alignment, right? So I feel like it's not, and these builds are not needed, but if I was to play in a Dragonlance game, I wouldn't mind using one, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind putting either initiative high uh, of, of high sorcery or the divinely favored. I don't mind putting those in, but at that point, you're almost doing the exact same as the ma- magic adept or any of those. It's much of what we've already discussed. Yeah. I I don't think I would allow for the black, red, or white robes, the adepts of these, in there just because it is a little overpowered, especially if it's taken at a low level. Uh, I, I'm i not a fan of that. It's just, it gives too much to the players, I find, to to use too early. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Possible, yeah. All right, Megan, uh, you've got a little something different in terms I, of a... Yeah, so I have something like kind of similar, but very different. So I'm going to talk about a couple of feats that you can get from Tasha's um, that are kind of the polar opposite of each other. So I'm going to talk about Fae Touched, and then I'm going to talk about Shadow Touched. So now, does this mean that they're touching you with your feet? With their feet, yes, feet only. Okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, so for the fey touched, um, this is one I actually took, and I'll explain what I did with it once I kind of explain what it is. So this gives you an increase to intelligence, wisdom, or charisma score based on by one for, of course, to a max of twenty. Um, you learn misty step. And one first level spell of your choice must be a divine or enchant divination or enchantment spell. Uh, and you can use the spells once per long rest without a spell slot, but can also use spell slots if you so choose. Uh, and the spell casting ability is the score increase that you took. So whether you took intelligence, wisdom, or charisma for the increase, that's the um, uh, casting ability for it. So this is the one that I was using wrong. <laughs> um tell us megan so my monk i took fey touched and so not only does she have naturally a speed at this point of over 60 because of other things that i took but she now has the ability to misty step so she is very mobile um and then the spell that i took was hunter's mark so for a monk if you hunter's mark something that's cool it is a lot of extra damage. <laughs> yup. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, if it gets away, you can track it. Exactly. So it's not yeah, getting away when you can move ninety feet away. a turn. Yeah, it's it's not it's not running from me. To be honest with you, but what I was doing wrong, like don't be to be fair. So I looked at it again because I believe Hunter's Mark. I might have to look at it again. If the character, if the creature dies, you can move it to another character without having to recast it or no. Yes. So then technically I was not using Hunter's Mark incorrectly, but I definitely have Misty Stepped more than once per long rest. So sorry, Adam. I can only Misty Step once per long rest because I'm a monk. I don't fucking have spell slots. (laughs) So anyway, so that's that one. Um, 
what do you guys think? Do you have you guys ever used Fay Touched or does it sound interesting or intriguing to you? Yeah, I, I have never used it, but it does kind of intrigue me. I do kind of like it. Yeah, I I really like the idea of how did they become Fay Touched? Yeah. What happened to you that has given you the ability to do this? And I, I want to hear what the player is going to come up with, especially if it's mid campaign or something. Or mm-hmm. so if it's not at the first level, if it's like at fourth or eighth level that they gain this ability how did that happen tell me what exactly is it just or is it just springing forth from within you or is it actually something that has happened in the campaign that has caused this to happen i want to hear what it is i'm not going to say no i just want to know what's happening yeah like Uh, there's clearly only one answer and it's a fade touched you with their feet yes that is the discussion that we're having done okay yeah No, my theory is that my character has died so many times that she's just been, she's come in contact with many, many types of creatures or an adventure through death that she just inherited the abilities from dying so fucking much. And she's not shadow touched? (laughs) She's not shadow touched, no. (laughs) Okay. Not yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I know, right? No, I ended up taking Fate Touch because it's the the difference between the two. You'll see. So for Shadow Touch, it's pretty much the same thing. You get an increase to Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma by one uh, to a max of twenty, uh, and you learn Invisibility is your spell that you learn. Um, or uh, sorry, and you get one first level spell of your choice, but it must be illusionary or necromancy. So I didn't really want to take illusionary or necromancy spells. So that's why I went with the fate touched version, but yeah. So again, yeah, it's very much the same, uh, where you can only cast it once per long rest with no spell slots or use spell slots respectively. And then the spell casting ability is that of the ability score you choose to increase. So again, pretty much the same thing, but different flavors of magic and use. So I feel like the um, Shadow Touched is going to be more probably your your rogues, right? Your ones that want to increase like their ability to be invisible or be sneaky. Yeah, or the right? rangers or... Exactly, right? So, but yeah, those are them. I see. Uh, no, uh, I can see a cleric having this yeah. to avoid with their heavy armor. <laughs> Amazing. You have disadvantage on stealth checks, not anymore. Invisibility. Peace out, yeah. No, but yeah. So both very interesting. I like them both. I think it, again, I think it adds a lot of flavor to your character, depending which direction you go. Um, I, the only reason I found Faye Touched for my monk was because I was looking up ways to, again, continue to increase her mobility. And that's where it came up to add Misty Step to like her capabilities. And so, and it's so strange having like, I learned that like monks learn spells all the time, but they're always, you can only use it once or you have to use a key point. Like they don't have spell slots, but for some reason they're so inherently magical. And I don't think people remember that often enough. Like, (laughs) I like the astral monk who it's, you just have magical arms that grow out. (laughs) Frightening. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Uh, So do you guys feel that these... Uh, do you do these feats feel interesting or unique enough to represent the plane of existence they reference? I feel that they do have that slight that that a uh, fey or shadow uh, fell or the the fade to them. It has slightly, but I don't think it's enough. It needs more to it than that. Like maybe if they take it, they also take on some qualities of a fey. Like it changes, maybe. Uh, the color of the the pigment of their skin changes based on whatever they take. They it, it doesn't change anything with the ability of them, but it changes just a little bit of who they are. That's what I'm searching for is more development 
Yeah. Like to your point, what's the reason that you have it? How did you come across it? How did you inherit this capability? Is there now a physical reason or like, to like, do you suddenly glow green when you do these abilities? Like what is that? I'm nuclear. Right. Like what does that look like? Cause it's going to look different because it's from a different plane of existence. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's what would be the interesting or unique enough. It had to be based on that. Yeah. Add a visual aspect to it. And that, I think that would, was what would make it a little bit more flavorful to very specific because if I didn't tell like I didn't nobody at my table knows I took fate touched they just know that yeah. I can suddenly misty step and I can hunter's mark things no one saw the fate touch you no very correct okay. so okay. so that's the thing is like if anybody's take shadow touched or fate touched and they don't describe how it happened no one's going to know that it's from a different plane of existence period except for you and your dm yeah <laughs> so okay. yeah we hope we hope yeah so i think that they're flavorful enough to do so but it's going to be up to you and your dm to actually represent that in some physical way okay. yeah so do you think it would have been better if there was like a d10 table that goes if you take this feat you also have one of these things that happens to you right yeah like though like you grow horns or you yeah i think you know. that'd be great yeah if they had a d10 to, I, I love a good table yeah so yeah yeah i think that would be great kyle if they had that uh i think from now on it i might actually make that so if my players want to take it roll a d10 for me yeah the, you now have this uh additional feature about you yeah or based on what happened come up with some kind of a creative like physical aspect f- to represent it right exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah cool okay cool uh all right so i've got a couple as well uh i'm gonna go That's over true. telekinetic and telepathic uh so telekinetic you gain a plus one to wisdom charisma or intelligence you gain the mage hand cantrip if you don't already know it and if you do uh you extend its range by 30 feet and it is invisible as a bonus action on your turn you can attempt to shove a creature either pushing it five feet uh away from you or five feet towards you should it fail a strength saving throw, uh, whose DC is eight plus your proficiency bonus plus the modifier of whatever ability you increase when you pick this feat, a creature can also willingly opt to fail this save. Uh, and then there is also telepathic, which is you gain plus one to wisdom, charisma, or intelligence, and you can speak telepathically one way to any creature within sixty feet of you in a language that you know, and the creature must also know the language to understand you. Uh, you get a secondary benefit, which is you can k- detect. Uh, you can cast detect thoughts. Oh, you're not the only person with trouble with words today, Megan. Once per long rest, with no spell slot or components, using the ability score you increased again with this feat uh, as the ability score as the spell modifier. Uh, though you can use any second level spell slots you have to cast this spell again later. Are there any prerequisites to this? Nope. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty neat. That is pretty fun. Yeah. I have a little bit of a different thing. So like telekinetic, you know, there's also a spell telekinesis, which is like way, way, way better. Right. Like, I don't know. This but you the- can... The spell, sorry. yeah, is, I was going to say, sorry, to your point, like the spell is pretty cool, but like this also gives you Mage Hand and a whole bunch of other things at the same time, right? And it gives you yeah. some flavor to it. Yeah, I I, I guess it, my issue is that the shoving a creature, which is can be good. I mean, I think we've talked about it before in this podcast, you know, being able to move a creature five feet can really like make or break something, right? Like you can shove them off 
a cliff or anything. Also, it doesn't have a size requirement. Mm -hmm. So you can technically shove a gargantuan creature five feet. Yeah, they just have to fail their strength safe, right? Or whatever it is, yeah. (laughs) So. Uh, but I mean, yeah, my only issue is that, I don't know, it, it feels limited with the only five feet, right? Like, why can't I knock it prone? You can't like you can do with most ever, other shoves. Yeah. Well, that's just that's just a matter of where you're shoving them. I would play it almost as if if there's a root behind them and you shove them backwards, they will fall prone because they're tripping yeah. over something on the ground. I do also like that you can pull it five feet towards you as well. Like the benefit, <laughs> like the benefit of it, would definitely be if you want, if one of your players is in the thick of it and can't get out without having to take an attack of opportunity, you could punt this thing five feet away from him, and then on your your other players next turn, they can run away without having a <laughs> attack of opportunity taken against them. Right? It's a mind punt. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a battlefield maneuverability. I think is what it's I, built I, for, not necessarily for, or just like fun shit to do. Right? Like yeah. You can use this oh, to scare I... people. <laughs> How? Uh, what's the range on it again? Uh, if you have the mage hand cantrip, it is sixty feet, and if not, it's the regular mage hand, which is thirty feet. But the ability to pull someone or push someone—what's the range on that? Does it say thirty feet? Uh, thirty feet. Thirty from feet you. of you. Yeah. Okay. So even then, let's say you're you are at the bottom of a cliffside, and the cliff is thirty feet high, and someone's on the edge of it. You can pull them down, yeah. and then they're yeah. suddenly going to take all that falling damage. Yeah. Yeah, but once again, right? Like, how many battles do you have by a cliff? That very specific opportunity. No, I hear you. Well, yeah, well, but like, well, no, I, I actually have have had that happen several times. Uh, at least when I was DMing, my players are uh, traveling along a place, and then they're suddenly ambushed. Yeah, by bandits. No, I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just but saying no, it how doesn't often? Happen. Yeah, yeah. But, right? I, like, but I, I just love the ability to put the. I believe the idea of pushing or shoving someone is very much underutilized and it can be utilized a lot more. That is just one specific scenario, but I love the, I love it. Anything that can give this ability to push or shove five or 10 feet, because when you do have those right scenarios and there's lots of them, it can be very beneficial. Yeah. I I guess I'm just not going to take a whole feet for that one scenario. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's my biggest issue. That's oh, the key yeah. point is finding that balance between your character creation and what they can and can't do is this is one of those ones where like, if it's your shtick, yeah, you're going to take this feat, right? But like, if it's okay. if it's not where you're going to take your character long term, again, like figure out what your end goal for your character is going to be. And yeah, if absolutely. And if, and if it's not the kind of person that's just there for battlefield manipulation or for being sneaky or being trickery with someone, then yeah, it's not a feat that you're going to take. Like it's, it just is what it is. Yeah. I think the only thing I would change is that for the pushing and shoving aspect, I would also allow a character to yank something out of somebody's hand, right? Like I would have a contested strength check to be yeah. able to like rip a weapon out of their hand and pull it towards okay, you kind yeah. of thing. That's kind of cool. Have it drop to the ground or something. Yeah. 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 I would say that you grab it, but five more, feet away. Yeah. Like just a little more flavor to something. Or you can like yank a shield out of someone's hand. You drop their AC. Or something like that, right? If yep. I if I was a DM and my and a player asked me, you know, sometimes you're just like, hey, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how to make it work. And then you as a DM and the, the player kind of figure that out. If the player came to me saying, hey, they're holding a shield in their hand. I have this ability with this feat. Can I try and grab the shield? Yeah. Or or when I shove them, risk them dropping their shield or something like that, right? But okay. yeah, I'd, I'd flavor it that way and I'd allow it if someone asked me. Like, that means they're being creative at the table and you reward that shit, right? Hell yeah. Exactly, yeah. 
uh all right oh, what do you guys think about telepathic being able to speak one way to a creature that has to share a language with you i love scaring creatures with being able to speak into their brain minds <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right. I, I don't know but i i i think of both of these and i think if i were to combine them i would, I would combine them and, and make a character called the uh, gene dre and uh yeah sorry that's an x-men reference gene gray okay <laughs> The internet's like, ah. <laughs> yes, all of them are like, what are you thinking? I'm sorry. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I find the telepathic one to be neat. One, again, I like the idea of being able to scare other characters or creatures by being able to speak to them um, directly. But it's the detect yeah. thought spell that kind of gets me a little bit because it's not what you inherently would normally take, right? Like, I feel like that's one of those spells that gets breezed past when you're trying to do your spell list selections. I always take that's it. True. I love that spell. I've never once thought, yeah, I want to detect someone's thoughts. Like, yeah, I'm with you, Megan. I've never thought about that one. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is, again, it's very character flavorful in the sense where, like, you are the kind of person that's going to go poking around in someone else's brain, which we've discussed many times on this podcast. If you're forcing someone to do something unwillingly or, like, messing with their brain mind, it is inherently evil. Okay. Like, uh I, or I could yeah. see this as the human lie detector when they're talking to you and then all of a sudden using telepathy. It's like, I'm looking into their mind. Are they lying? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, like, actually, in the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Megan. No, I was going to say, it's like if they failed like their deception check or like you failed your insight check, but you're like, the DM's kind of like, you think they're telling you the truth, but you're not quite sure. It's like, okay, now I'm going to poke into your brain. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what I like about it, and it even specifically says it in the spell description, is like it's useful when you're doing interrogations, right? So yeah. you ask someone a question, and then that thought pops into their head on Biden, right? Like they can't lie in their mind, I guess. So you can kind of skip the whole insight check thing. I also, okay, so how is it not evil to scare people by speaking into their mind? I didn't say it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. It is also inherently evil, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> you are okay. gently talking to them to, eat, to set them at ease. Who the hell is in my mind? <laughs> you think you're saying something nice and sweet. It's like, all of them just start freaking out because they can't talk back, right? It's a one direction <laughs> conversation, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so I think that would just be hilarious to watch. <laughs> okay that's so funny i now i'm picturing like uh like two guards standing on duty and like whispering into one of their minds who's like oh my god are they hitting on me are they secretly <laughs> in love with me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Ugh. i'm pretty sure they're into you yeah they're like wait a minute why are these do- what are these thoughts creeping into my mind <laughs> yeah amazing okay uh yeah so do you guys have any ideas uh, interesting or unique ways you could use these feats. I guess we kind of covered. This I think we just bit. we kind of did. Them. Yeah, we we yeah. really did. Yeah, but all right. <laughs> Pin the guards against each other. Full stop. Done. <laughs> and then pull the and then pull the other one's sword out of his hand like he dropped it like he was fumbling. And then I think that would yeah. add to, that would oh. add to the allure of the story. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, so before we wrap up this episode, we're gonna cut to another ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideals with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit, r slash it's a mimic, where we keep a place for you to ask mailbag questions as well as our episode guide. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. 
Thank you, Adam, for this ad break. Great times. So we're 60% of the way through this conversation on feeds, and it already feels like a lot. I can't agree. Kyle and I can agree. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that. Now, do you think there are too many feats or are 89 not even enough? It's enough. We're done. We're done with feats. (laughs) There should only be Uh, two, but there's 89. mm -hmm. So it's it's not a number that I'm annoyed with. I, it's the quality of the 89 feats. I mean, I think we could uh, do away with some and introduce others. And up, update uh, old ones, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It, take some of the ones that were f- first released with Fifth Ed and compare them to like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Or mm-hmm. is that, uh, are there ones in Xanathar's? I don't no, think anyone releases that. Uh, yeah, no, there were race-specific ones released in oh, okay. um, Xanathar's. But but at the, so I'd want to take some of these old ones, compare it with some of these new ones at the level uh, that which they're at, and update those old ones, mm-hmm. or or even combine some of the old ones um, and take out some and revamp them. Yeah, this yeah. should be this should be one person's job to go through all eighty nine, figure out how many you have of each type, and then like you know I'm thinking spreadsheet man, like just go through, edit, cut, change, and then just launch fifty. <laughs> So you're saying they should hire Adam for this? Yeah, there you go. Perfect. That's your new job. <laughs> fix the feats. <laughs> Wizards, please hire Adam to fix the feats. Yeah. All yeah. all, all 89 left ones. <laughs> Love it. I also liked, I kind of missed the thing that they had in 3.5 where you could upgrade feats. Yeah. Right? Or like things would be changed or added. Like I think, was there some that like had, if when your level changes, you get an additional? I don't think it does. I don't think any feats do that. Uh, in 5e no yeah so in 3.5 yeah 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 so i think that's a missed opportunity i see why because of the leveling system and how it operates in fifth ed but like yeah it would be a little i think in the realm of what fifth ed is and how they things it would be too much math to level up feats as they go along i i personally really liked the 3.5 feet system uh, but I think it would just be too much with the fifth ed system. Mm-hmm. It needs like a uh, a lesser version of the 3.5, but more so than what 5e currently is. That's fair. I can see that. All right. Well, that's all for this part of our discussion on feats in D&D 5th edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at itsamimic.com or It's a Mimic merch and a Patreon. This episode and others can be also found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspiration. I think you're the DM. Are you not, Kyle? Yes, you are. Oh, uh, but I, I am. You're but on cold open. Okay, hold on. Yeah, let me close. I the door believe in you. Yeah. Sorry, I was just locking my cat out. But um, you're still on the screen. <laughs> Isn't he handsome? Isn't he handsome? So <laughs> handsome with those yeah. cross paws. Hey man, he's the daintiest of, of folks. Very sweet, sweet men's. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
That's true. And I, I just love the ability to be able to read people's lips. <laughs> and that like, is one of the traits that it has. So. I know. And like, I, I remember reading about it and I was just like, it, it doesn't have a distance to it. It's nope. up to DM discretion in my mind of how you can well... see them. Yeah. So apparently I'm not very observant because I did not know that was part of it. I know. Weirdly enough. Yes, I agree. Like when I read it, I was like, it's there's. When I was reading some of the feats that we're going to talk about, I would, there was like one or two points where I forgot that it existed for that feat. Because yep. you remember you remember the one thing that you probably utilized more or had a, some, a player at your table do, but there's usually three or four more things per feat, which I think is something people always forget about. But that's what's yeah. great about these feats. You can look into those and be like, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. But as a, as a DM, it's always a bit of a sideball, though. When a, a player says, well, actually, it says that I can do this. Wait, what? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. Now, I, I also learned I was using a lot of my feats wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like unintentionally cheating kind of thing? Unintentionally cheating. And I'll explain it when we get to the feat that I'm going to talk okay. about. <laughs> Excellent. I want to hear this. Yeah. Uh, when I first started playing, I also was unintentionally cheating because I didn't realize that uh, domain spells aren't like you can cast them once without using a spell slot. Mm-hmm. And I got like a couple months in before I'm like, oh. Once. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, when I when I first started with it, the big mistake is I thought I could still bump up my attributes and gain a feat. Ah. So I'd do both. So, but they never ever told me wrong, and they had the character sheet right in front of them. And like and when I learned I that was the case, I'm like, oh poop. Well, yeah. what's done is done. Exactly. Right? I and that, since we're talking about it, yeah, mine was very similar to yours, Kyle. Where I was just like, oh, I can only use that once without a spell slot. Otherwise, I have to yeah. use spell slots to be able to use this again, and I have to wait a long rest, not a short rest, before I get it back. Great, 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 great. I'm pretty sure there's been an instance once or twice where I have popped that off at least twice in an encounter, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh well, it's not cheating if nobody catches you. I don't think that that's what that means, but I accept. <laughs> Go with it. In this episode of the It's a Make podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be looking deep within to reveal the special magical accomplishments. Why is that so hard for me right now? <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, it just happens. I know. Like, so why does that word not make sense in my brain? when it, Why is accomplishments not a word for me right now? If you get past it, it'll be an accomplishment. That's fair. Well, that's it. Fly my little dragons. Have a fantastic day.